Do you want to reminisce with us about the horses that made you? Or maybe have a conversation about adulting or having to move across the country for your job? I think you're going to enjoy this episode. We're going to talk with Megan Silvera as we continue our series with Cowgirl Magazine's 30 Under 30. And in this podcast, we go beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Saddle as we continue our series with Cowgirl Magazine's 30 Under 30. Today, we are talking with Megan Silvera, and I am looking forward to this. We've already had such a fun little intro getting to know each other, and we're going to dive in and really get to share her story and about what she does in the ag industry. So Megan, welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. This will be this will be fun. I promise we'll make it um, <laughs> easy peasy lemon squeezy. Tell us what you do. You've got a, a very interesting career in the ag space. So what is your role and what is what does it look like for you? Yeah, so I'm currently living in St. Joseph, Missouri, and I work with Angus Media, which is a branch under the American Angus Association, and we have a really historical national publication that's been around for 100 plus years called the Angus Journal, and I am the associate editor, so it's kind of a, a fancy way of saying I get to do a lot of interviews with our breeders and industry professionals and write a lot of great content for the magazine, but it goes beyond that obviously, with um, different work that we do, such as podcasts and other industry events. So I kind of get to wear a lot of different hats, but that's kind of what I like about the job so much. I love that broad media term because every day it's sort of evolving too, right? Like our digital landscape continues right. to change. Oh, it's so fun. We sort of have a little bit, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an editor, but I work with the editors at the Equine Network every day and, and get to see a little bit of what they do for their magazines and publications. So I'm excited to talk to you and sort of <laughs> nerd out on the media side, if you will. <laughs> There's so many yes. fun things. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Were you a writer by trade or did you sort of fall into that? Like, do you love to write? Is that how you ended up here? Yeah, so this is going to sound super nerdy, but in sixth grade, I don't know if this was like a serious assignment that our teacher gave us, but she said if we could write a hundred page novel, we would get like a hundred extra credit points. And I have always been really stubborn, even since I was super little. So in sixth grade, I was like a hundred extra credit points. It sounds pretty stellar. So I kind of set out on this journey to write this story. And it was about this cow dog and I don't think it made a lot of sense there were some serious plot holes I'm sure but it was kind of when I realized that I really enjoyed putting pieces together on paper and kind of telling stories and it kind of sparked this desire to figure out how I could make that be like a lifelong career um, I eventually ended up at Oklahoma State University with agricultural communications as a double major and I didn't totally like writing in college, but I interned at the association with the journal um, right before my last year of undergraduate schooling and fell back in love with writing again because I kind of could finally understand how to take all that I'd been learning in classes and apply that to the industry that I loved so much. And that's kind of kind of how I found my place. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, you're an intern success story too, which is like one of my most favorite things to talk about. I love that. Did you intern specifically like where you're at now? Did you intern with Angus Media or was it a different internship? Yes, I was um, specifically with Angus Media, specifically with the journal. It's a really fun story. Actually, my editor, my current boss, Julie Mays, she got hired um, right before they brought me on as an intern. So we had this really cool, super unique experience of kind of getting to learn about the journal and Angus Media together. She taught me so much. She introduced me to photography, which I then later fell in love with. Um, But it's kind of a a cool story that I like to tell people that my friend and mentor when I was an intern is now still my friend, mentor, and boss today. So I think it's such a, a fun little tidbit and I feel really blessed to kind of have that full circle experience. Ah, uh, you're either an intern success or an intern failure <laughs> because they captured you <laughs> yeah, and they, they kept, kept you. They <laughs> didn't get rid of me. So. That's right. Okay. How old were you when you were writing your cow dog story? Because I want to know if your mom or someone in your family still has that, then they can dig it out <laughs> of an oh, archive box. I'm sure my mom, my mom does like to keep sentimental things. So I'm sure my mom's got it stored somewhere. I'm, I I don't even know how old I would have been in sixth grade, but I was like a couple years younger than the rest of the class. So I was... I don't even know. <laughs> I was little. <laughs> oh my gosh. Someday that's going to get pulled out and you're going to read it and you are going to laugh and you're, it's, it's going to be gonna painful. Be a <laughs> <laughs> I said what a are lot some of plot holes? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you know, just maybe you could revive it. Oh my gosh. How oh, fun would that yeah, be? A redo. The story <laughs> yeah. Or like write a children's book with it. Oh my gosh. Maybe. That'd be great. That's a really good idea, actually. <laughs> <laughs> who knew right who knows right. right like maybe it was great the bones are there <laughs> <laughs> true true what are your some of your most favorite things to write now like is it interview profile pieces or yeah. you know like what's your favorite mm-hmm Um, so my, by far and above favorite, any of my coworkers that listen to you ask that question might be laughing because everyone knows that my like soft spot is always for profile stories of our producers. Um, I just think there's something so beautiful in getting people to talk so passionately about their cattle. And it's crazy to me with just a few like very simple questions. You can have someone talk to you for hours and hours and hours about their cattle herd. And you see like their eyes light up, even if they were nervous about like having us come out and do an interview. As soon as you ask them about their cattle, like they become just this like really bright spark and super passionate. So I always love the chance to just kind of take that passion and shape it into a story for them just to kind of share with others why they love what they do. Um, I am trying to get better and write more like sciencey things because we have a lot of great work with um, genetics and expected progeny differences in the beef industry that I'm super proud of. And I know the whole association is really proud of the work we're doing to help provide tools to breeders. So I do promise I'm trying to write like smart stuff too, but I do much prefer um, getting to just get down to the nitty gritty of the people that are breeding the cattle. Well, and some of those, they're the best people, right? And our oh, industry is gosh, just yeah. made up of this fabric of so many cool characters and family mm-hmm. history and all those things. But you raise an interesting point about the science and the research because ag, as always, is looking for new ways to innovate. And the beef industry is kind of leading the conversation in a lot of those mm-hmm. spaces and technology. Like, do you, are, do you dabble in that space at all? Of like the tech improvements and, you know, test plots and things that they're doing? 
Yeah, it's super awesome that you asked that. And as like a magazine for breeders, we are always trying to like provide the most current information and about these new technologies. So half the time, I feel like when I'm exploring these topics, I'm learning just as much as I'm like hoping to spread the knowledge. So it's kind of a really cool opportunity as I attend these different conferences and conventions or just hear um, kind of pasture talk with some of our breeders, the things that I get to dive in and research a little bit more to help better educate them. Um, I'm finding that in the whole journey, I'm also educating myself. So some of it feels over my head, but it, it's really cool to, to feel myself learn alongside our readers. That is a fun challenge. And the fact that you are like <laughs> willing to embark on that challenge and just sort of take it where it needs to go for your breeders and for the people who are needing your content, it says a lot about like the direction and the integrity of the publication itself too. Well, thank you. That that means a lot. And I will say as like a communicator, I do have the saving grace of getting to ask in interviews. So if you were talking to someone hypothetically, of course, that's never heard of this before, how would you describe it? And no one has to know that I am, in fact, that hypothetical person. <laughs> oh, I like that. I might I steal that tactic. <laughs> it's a good little cheat sheet for me. Right? Oh my gosh, that is so great. Okay, let me let's talk. Let's break down your journey a little bit. You gave us like sort of the broad strokes of how you got interested in writing um, and how you sort of ended up with that wonderful internship. Um, but you so you started originally you're from California, and then you went yes. to Oklahoma State, and now you're in Missouri. So what <laughs> is, talk to me a little bit more about that journey and what that's been like for you. Oh, gosh. Yeah. People do still make fun of me because I do like to claim all three states when people ask me where I'm from. So they always get a little bit more background than I think they bargain for when they ask <laughs> about me. But um, yeah, I was born and raised in Denaire, California. And I was introduced to agriculture um, through my family, honestly. Um, we had a, a pretty interesting, diverse history, I guess you could say, with ag. Um, my parents met on a dairy my mom grew up riding horses and showing horses, and she competed a little bit with some uh, county fair market steers. And when I was like nearing the age of about five, she started showing me pictures of her riding and, and the horses and all kinds of things. And I kind of fell head over heels. And my grandpa probably tells this story better than I do, but my grandpa on my mom's side had just bought this horse for himself. He was, um, I think about 20 when we got him. His name was Stetson. He was a, a big, tall chestnut. And my grandpa had purchased him from a rancher nearby who said that he was a really great horse. He was just getting a little too old for day to day on the ranch. So my grandpa bought him and he was my grandpa's horse for about an hour until I came over. And when Stetson and I met each other, my grandpa tells everybody that that was the last time Stetson was his horse. So Stetson became my <laughs> horse. I bought him for a very lovely price of $5 from my grandpa. And that kind of like catapulted me into, I think, like everything that shaped me, if that makes sense, because Stetson introduced me to Jim Canna's and rodeos. And that eventually led me to the world of Western pleasure with horses, which I really fell in love with. Um, but it also got me involved in 4-H. 
which like I'm sure many other people in agriculture knows, once you've done 4-H, you then eventually go on to FFA. And once I was hooked with the horses, I was like, well, we can't just have one species here at the house. That seems a bit ridiculous. So right after we had constructed a horse barn, I decided we should also purchase some Black Angus cattle. <laughs> and we had cows and horses in my horse barn growing up. But I showed cattle from um, about the age of like eight, I think I was, when we got my first heifer. And through the cattle industry, I met some friends who went to Oklahoma State University. It was kind of just um, this really neat gift from God to where I heard that school. I latched onto it and I never wanted to go anywhere else. We'd never visited. We'd never really talked about it. But my parents didn't take me super seriously until my senior year of high school when that was the only place I applied. Um, but we toured, we fell in love with it. They had a really great um, agricultural school with a lot of great professors that welcomed us. Um, and I had a lot of connections through both horses and cattle at OSU. So fell in love with OSU then, went to OSU, had a really great time both in undergrad and grad school. And obviously um, kind of wrapping this long winded tale up, um, it was while at OSU that I was inspired to apply for the American Angus Association internship. Um, my background with Angus cattle really drew me and it paired well with my major plus I needed it to graduate and it all kind of pushed me to this this perfect place that I'm at right now there's so many good things in that story but you know that my favorite part is that it was a horse yes. <laughs> they brought got this it all, all together that good old I, Stetson the best five dollars you ever spent it was. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. Actually, I have a, a little buckle mount of him here in my office that I always look at when I'm sitting at my desk. Um, we lost him when I was in college. He's a pretty old man, but he was a, a good horse and really owe a lot to him. So Aww, he'll always be with you. And like, little did he know how much he really impacted your life. It's always. Oh, first I think horses. he knew, to be honest. <laughs> that horse knew. <laughs> How did he feel about the cows when you brought home those black Angus and put them in the barn and your horse barn together? How did he feel about that? You know, he was just old enough that he would deal with them. He he didn't quite have the the energy to chase them around anymore like I think he probably had when he was younger. Um, but towards the end of his life, we cracked up because he actually, they, the little calves we had ate his tail. Um, oh. So he would just stand out there and let the calves chew on his tail. So his poor tail disappeared by the time he was, <laughs> he was wrapping up. But he learned to love the cows for sure. Well, they were all one big happy family eating his tail or not, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, okay. The other part of your story that I really would love to talk about with you and get your perspective on is just moving. Like yeah. going from so <laughs> many different environments from California to Oklahoma State and now where you're at in Missouri, what has that meant to you and how have you navigated that? Because I think a lot of people can relate to having to move across the country to kind of mm -hmm. follow your path and you're doing it. I, it's so interesting because like when I went to college, I really, all I felt was like excitement. I was super pumped. I knew it was what I was going to do. Um, I actually had some family members and some friends that kind of made fun of me because they would like cry when they talked about it. And I was like, I don't know what you're crying about because this is the coolest thing I have ever done. Um, so going to Stillwater, it was hard to feel anything but excitement because anyone who's gone to Stillwater knows it is just like, I, truthfully, one of the greatest places on earth. Like, I love that town. I love that school. I love the people there. 
I had really good mentors in the ag comm department. I had um, really great friends that I met through some awesome programs like the freshman in transition program at OSU. So for me, it was super exciting. I'm sure if you talk to my parents, um, I am an only child, so they can definitely tell you that it was not all easy. <laughs> like I'm portraying it. I think they had a pretty hard time um, leaving there. There, I think it was 17 when they dropped me off. So they were not too excited to be leaving their 17 year old daughter um 24 23 22 something ridiculous hours away from home but like I said I was just so wrapped up in the excitement of being in Stillwater that I I never felt too nervous um it was a bit odd waking up like the first day I remember after they had left and I was like okay I have to make friends like this is a little bit odd I don't know anyone my own age here but um They'd always taught me to be pretty confident. I'm obviously a little long-winded and chatty, so I didn't have too much of a problem just approaching people and saying, hey, like, do you want to go get lunch today or let's hang out or I saw that we have class together. So it was pretty easy to settle into Stillwater. Um, when I accepted the position with the American Angus Association, though, I remember I had such excitement for the job because it felt like the perfect job, the dream thing that I needed to be doing with my career. But I really, I can admit this, don't tell anyone from Missouri, but like I wasn't super sold on St. Joseph yet. I had only spent three months there as an intern and you're so busy as an intern anyways that I don't feel like you're fully grasping, you know, what the town is or if that's someplace you want to call home. So I, I kind of just moved here. I had some help from coworkers who found me um, a place. They, they would come do little video tours of homes while I was finishing up grad school in Stillwater to help me find a house. Um, but I found a house. I signed a lease agreement without ever having seen the house in person. And I moved here and quite literally the only people I knew were like my coworkers um, on my immediate like magazine team. So I was pretty intimidating coming to Missouri. I, I didn't know quite what I was getting into or how I was gonna make friends or what that process looked like. But I've been really blessed too here. Um, and I think it's just proof that God takes care of you when you're following his path. Um, because I've met some of my very best friends here as well. I've I've got a, a good girl gang here that have just really welcomed me with open arms, accepted me, kept me involved. Um, my parents joke, I kind of insert myself into other people's families each time I moved. Um, my really good friends from college used to take me home at holidays. And now I have friends here at uh, Angus that, that take me home uh, with their families when I can't fly out to California for different things. So it, it's been it's been a lot and it's hard, but I really wouldn't change a minute of it. Oh my gosh. I love that you talked about like sort of creating family. So, and it's sort of easy to think about in college, maybe, I don't know if easy is the right word, but there's so many people there that are in the same position, right? Like right. everybody is sort of coming to this melting pot and like everybody's sort of like forced <laughs> for lack of a better word to like figure it out. We and all make need friends. friends. Yes. Yeah. So like in some sense, like college is, you know, such like a natural family to fall into because everyone is sort of seeking that. And like, it's such a fun time to, to find your communities and, and build those relationships. And, you know, you're all sort of in it together, but when you're taking a job and you're moving somewhere where they're already established in their families and in their friend circles and in their churches and what have you. Right. And you have to yeah. find a way to like assimilate into that or hope that they're going to welcome you with open arms that is intimidating that can be tough 
Well, and I think it was the first time I was hit with like the realization too that like, yes, I'm still kind of a kid in the fact that I'm young, but like I'm also like doing actual adult things now. And that was super intimidating for me because I, I just now I was at the point it felt like you you added on an additional like three or four hours that I was away from my family in California. So now I'm like, now it's 26 hours. You can't even get to me in a day if you really needed to. And it, it was super intimidating. I don't know. I just feel like I, I assumed, I guess, when I accepted a job that you're just like, oh, okay, adulting, perfect, easy, good to go. And now I'm realizing it's kind of like this constant battle of like trying to figure things out. And there's nothing wrong with that because I think we're all kind of in that scenario too. So it's different than college, but it's also the same in the fact that I feel like everybody's figuring life out together. So now it's just on a bit of a grander scale than college, if that makes any sense. That makes so much sense. And I swear my husband and I have this conversation at least once a week of realizing like cluing you in y'all like super top secret adulting <laughs> secret here. Adulting really is just realizing that nobody knows what they're doing and we're all just right. sort of winging it. And like some of us are <laughs> in any given moment, like this moment, I'm doing it better than I thought I was going to. And the next <laughs> moment, you're not going to have it figured out. And like, you start to recognize those moments with other quote unquote adults. <laughs> and you're like, all right, cool. You don't know either. Neither do I. We're going to figure it out. We're <laughs> in we it go. together at least. <laughs> It's so true, but I don't feel like, I think when we're in college and especially in high school, I think, you know, once we're adults and like, once I'm out on my own and once I'm established in my career, even if it's a career that I'm really excited about, it's all going to come together, right? Like you have this unrealistic expectation of what that means and what that looks like for you. It, it It's just not, <laughs> that's just well, not how it goes. I've come to find too that it feels like we're always like anticipating like this next step and I'm sure like we've all felt that way but like when I was in college I was like well when I have a job like I'm gonna figure it out and now that I have a job I'm like well when I own my own house like then I'll have it together or like when I'm married or when I'm a mom or when I have a promotion or like when I'm doing xyz when I'm settled here when I own land and I, my parents have always reminded me like life is not like this checklist for you to cross things off on to like feel successful. It's more of like what you make it with the moment you're in. So like enjoy every step of it and quit anticipating what you have to do next because there's always going to be the next thing to do. So just learn to like live in the moment and appreciate where you're at because you're not going to be there again. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There is so much truth in those words and it's not fun to embrace that feeling, right? Because as human <laughs> beings, we are checklist creatures and we do want to set like a road path, a road map. And this is where our destinations are along the way. <laughs> and by this age, I'm going to have this, but that's, it's not life. And so it's like hard to combat that natural feeling of wanting to do mm -hmm. that. Your parents are very wise. <laughs> oh, they're pretty awesome. They are the best. Moment. I can't deny it. <laughs> Is that how you found confidence? Like what advice do you have for someone who might find themselves in a similar position where they're looking at a job, they're in college, maybe they've been given a job offer to move further away from home. What would you say to those people? I think like my biggest piece of advice was just like to realize that the only thing like ever holding you back is you. Um, I think that was one thing my parents and I, I'm still fully starting to realize that now as like a 25 year old, um, I probably still don't appreciate it as much as I should. 
But growing up, like I was surrounded by a family that never told me I couldn't do something. Like if I had this idea in my head, they were like, yeah, then make it happen. You can do it. And they were always there to support. Um, but they were big on like working for it. So like if you put in the hours, if you put in the passion, the time at home, you're going to see the results. And so I think that's something that's like grown to give me confidence in my adult life because even though it used to apply to um, that one obstacle in the trail class that my horse and I could never figure out or if it was um, that steer I had that was a little bit smaller than the rest so if I stayed at home and worked here and fed him the right thing I could get him ready by the time county fair rolled around to be competitive um, now it's becoming things like at work or e even just with different things in life where it's like well if you want to do that then like make it happen for yourself and you can and I think with the right attitude, like truthfully, we can kind of create the path that we want for ourselves. Um, so it's just believing in your own abilities. Yes. Believing in what you've got and work with what you've got. And that mm -hmm. probably means putting in the work, like you said, which <laughs> we don't always want to do, but if you're after it and it's in your heart and that's the thing that you want to pursue, go for it. Like the only mm -hmm. thing that's going to stop you is yourself. It's cliche, but she's it's not so wrong. True. Folks. <laughs> and I think like anyone who grew up like in agriculture, but like for me, that was the thing about like horses specifically that I learned that it was like with with the proper like time investment and patience and the right attitude, you can do anything. And like, sure, there were days where I had to say, whoa, and I had to take a couple deep breaths and we had to walk a lap before we tried to do the thing again. But like if you asked in the right way if you stayed level-headed and you stayed confident, like you could do just about anything. Like I said, I feel like I learned that probably with Stetson. So I have to give him a lot of credit for that too. But I think it's true for any sort of um, kid that grew up in ag, 4-H, FFA, any project. Like if you keep going and keep trying, you're going to get there. And like even those moments that are like quote unquote failures, like there's something to like learn from that and to grow from. So there's really no failing if you always are learning. But yeah, it's those lessons from the saddle that like follow us through to our careers that it just, it's amazing to me when we look back at those of us who did grow up in the show ring or just on the back of a horse, or maybe it's not even with the back of the horse, right? It's just with your livestock out there, those things mm -hmm. that now you look back on and think, man, I found this grit or the ability to deal with this difficult situation or this difficult person in the same ways that I pushed through and made my 4-H project happen. It's, mm -hmm. it's setting that groundwork for life. Definitely. And then it kind of becomes a happy place. I feel like when you're older, which is really nice. So like, obviously, I'm a little bit too old to be showing cattle anymore. Um, but like, I still have my my other horse, Boone, at home. Mom and dad get to watch him and feed him apples. But like, whenever I get to go home to see them, it's just like this sense of like, calm when you're back with it, too. So it's like these things that you used to spend so much time and energy to be competitive with can also like full circle turn around and become like this place where you just are happy to be. And I think that's a really cool part of ag and, and horses, especially. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up. I get asked this question about my own life a lot, you know, cause I work in the equine industry. I talk about horses all day long from sunup to mm -hmm. sundown, which I absolutely love. <laughs> and then people like to ask me like, do you compete? And my answer to that is no, because my horses and the time that I have with my own critters 
is like my happy place. And I don't want there to be any stress around it or like any expectations or like, I just want to go out and that's my release. That's my happy place. (laughs) Like as an adult, that's one of those things that I get to decide is, you know, I spend my money to keep them happy and healthy and part of my life. And their purpose in my world is to give me that release and that, that just joy, you know, that they've, they've always brought me, which is great. Well, and I think it's so cool because sometimes like, I mean, especially when Boone and I were showing so competitively in Western pleasure, sometimes it felt like he was more of like an athletic partner than just like my companion or my friend. And I feel like horse people like understand like what that means, because now I go home and he still is like in pretty decent shape for being a retired show pony. But like now he's more of just my pal. Like, it's funny, we can be relaxed and we can be calm. And not everything is like this big training moment. Now it's just time for us both to like enjoy being with each other, which I think is a a really fun thing. And truthfully, it's not something that I ever really got to experience as a kid, even with the horses, because it was always, like I said, you were preparing for some sort of event, for competition, for something. So now horses are like the calm, happy place where I just get to exist. It's not like this end goal of like, well, what did we learn today? What did we teach each other? What did we practice? Now it's just like, did I have a good day today with him? And and that's a cool, I think, a new chapter for me. That is such a fun chapter to be in. Oh my gosh, Megan, Mm -hmm. I relate to that so, so much. And I know that our listeners do too. Gosh, I feel like we could talk for a very, (laughs) very long time and not run out of things to like dive into in the industry. This has been an absolute delight to have you on the show to talk about your career and just who you are. I cannot wait to meet you in Fort Worth here in just a few weeks for Cowgirl Magazine 30 Under 30. I am so excited. I've had a bit of a countdown going on in my head for a while, so I am ready. Yes. Oh, we're looking forward to it. We are going to have so much fun, so much celebrating. It is going to be a good time. Thank you so much for coming on Beyond the Saddle, talking about who you are, how you got here, and just inspiring us to have that confidence to chase those dreams. And if that means moving across the country, (laughs) move across the country. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for riding along in this episode with Megan Silvera. Tune in for more episodes with Cowgirl Magazine's 30 Under 30.